And I like John's style of writing. Um, but who is John? Well, John had a brother, James, and their father was Zebedee. They were uh, fishermen. And their father was training them uh, to, uh, in the family business. They were uh, supposed to be catching fish. And um, their life changed. John was a person that seemed to want to know the truth. And John and, and both his brother James, they were disciples of John the Baptist. And so they were uh, walking with John the Baptist and listening to him. And then one day, they, John the Baptist saw Jesus walking through the crowd and John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. John... His brother James, they were off following Jesus. Maybe from a little distance at first, because later uh, they were in the boat with their father, and, and then Jesus called them. But they were, uh, they were seeking the truth. They wanted to know, and that's why they, they were with John the Baptist to begin with. They, they were zealous. Uh, Jesus even gave John a nickname. Sons of Thunder. Nicknames are, can be good names. But Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows everyone intimately. And, and he chose that name, and I think it was quite appropriate because uh, John was a zealous individual. He possessed a, a, a fervency in his spirit. Sometimes zealous and a little misdirected, on one occasion, uh, during while they're walking with Jesus, they were going to Jerusalem and passing through Samaria. And Jesus was trying to find a place to stay for the evening. And he was met with, um, with uh, some opposition from the villagers. And, and John, with his zeal, he comes to them. Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? <laughs> oh, we can be that way sometimes, you know, uh, when we, especially when we first start with walking with the Lord. <laughs> We're excited. Uh, Jesus told him, calm down. It's okay. <laughs> so, just an ordinary man. All of the disciples, all of the followers of Christ, including us, were ordinary people. And we sometimes are zealous, we sometimes are misdirected. But as we walk with Christ, He transforms us. He molds us into what He would want us to be. John, as he grew in Christ, slowly changed and transformed. And, and his love for Christ 
And the time he spent with him had changed him. And he became wiser. And he does that with us as well. John wrote uh, the Gospel of John. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then the book of Revelation. And so he was uh, the third uh, most written author of the New Testament. And I said, I like the way John writes. John is, uh, seems to me to, to just write very simple and articulate. He said some of the greatest things in, in the fewest amount of words. In his gospel, he's, uh, he, he uh, writes about Christ. I in you and you in me, or Christ says that. But he writes that way. I in you and you in me. It really is profound. If you meditate on that, you could do it for endless amounts of time. So when John wrote the gospel, he wrote differently than the first three gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are the synopsis gospels, and they're written more from um, a a common uh, view. They chronicle most of the events of Jesus' ministry, and they contain the parables. John is different. He writes out of more of a a position of love. He, in fact, I think, self-proclaimed to be the disciple that Jesus loved. So, I appreciate that position. And um, let's open up to uh, 1 John. Get into God's Word. Father, we thank you that you spoke through men, through your Holy Spirit. You gave them the words to pen and write down for us, Lord. You encouraged them. You raised them to a position that they would document your words to us. And Lord, we know your will would be accomplished one way or another, but We are grateful that these men were obedient to do so. Bless us, open our hearts and our minds. Teach us what you will this morning through your word. And it's the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Why did John write this book? Well, he tells us three reasons. He says in uh, the first chapter, these things I write to you that your joy may be full. He wanted us to experience joy in the fullness. In chapter 2, he says, my little children, I write these things to you that you may sin not. And then thirdly, in chapter 5, he says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this life is in Christ Jesus. Those are encouraging words. The first four verses here in in John, 1 John, are the gospel. 
let's read one through four. That which was from the beginning. Well, I have to pause. Did Jesus have a beginning? Was he born in Jerusalem and that was the beginning of his time? No, of course not. That which was from the beginning, John is pointing out from eternity. If you want to go back and say the earth was created a million years ago, God was there. You can go back two trillion years, God was there. God always was. And Jesus was with God. John writes in his, his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, Logos. Jesus is the Logos. And his Word was with God, and, his, and this Word was God. He was the in, in the beginning with God. So John is really just saying that again here. That which was from the beginning. And even Jesus himself, in one of his prayers, says, Now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So Jesus didn't just have a beginning when he was born in Jerusalem. As a child, he, one of his names was Emmanuel. God with us. That's so awesome. You know, we ask ourselves, or many people ask, you know, why doesn't God come down and reveal himself to us? You know, you've heard that said, if you hadn't even said it yourself. Well, he did. That's what an awesome God we have. He didn't just speak through the prophets and hope that we would get it. He's a living and active God. An intimate God who wants an intimate relationship with each one of us. And he came down and revealed himself to us. Continuing on, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The word of life. So, John, also keeping in line with the traditions, you couldn't make an accusation against someone in the Jewish community, unless you had two witnesses or more. And so, John's just pointing out here that we have heard, we have seen. And it wasn't just John, but obviously the 12 disciples and all the other disciples that were around. And as, as he continues, he crescendos, and it, it seems to me that it builds up in intensity. We have seen, we have heard, we have seen. And then he continues. We have looked upon with our eyes. 
Why would he repeat the same thing we've seen? Well, this is a different phrase here. This is, we have looked upon him, we have gazed upon him intently. We have examined him. And doing this, he's going to declare to us what he knows is the truth. Verse 2, the life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. That's the first point of why he writes this letter. John is writing um, probably to the, the church in Asia. And they are living in a time probably not unlike what we're experiencing today. You have all the political things that are going on. But maybe even more so, you have, this is early in the church history, you have all these false religions that are being taught to people. And, you know, Satan wants to hijack everything that God does. He's a, a deceiver. And so, many of these people are taking 90% of the truth and filling in maybe 10%. So it attracts people. And if people aren't diligent and they don't recognize, hold on, there's 10% here that's just not right. Well, that happens today in a lot of religions. I mean, there are, there are over 1,800 religions out there. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is only one truth, 100%. And we can't miss that because some people might argue that, well, they're pretty good. Yes, I don't agree with that. But there are certain elements of the truth that cannot be ignored. They cannot be compromised. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross and God the Father rose him from, raised him from the grave. If you find someone who doesn't agree with that, then they don't know the truth. The truth is not in them. And so that is really important for us today because... You know, we're, we're, we seem to be in a time where, well, it's often said, let's just get along, you know. Oh, how about this one? Let's, you know, we have to be more tolerant. <laughs> tolerant, we hear that. Tolerant of what? What you believe, but not tolerant of what maybe I believe? And again, that's the evil one. We have to be tolerant. They, they, he wants to, to preach and spread this word that we have to be tolerant of lies and deception. 
No, we don't. We shouldn't be. That's the decay of society, that we became tolerant of these things and they slowly slip in quietly. And maybe, shamefully, we don't get involved enough and we ignore them and, you know... It seems that most conservative Christians just want to live their life quietly. Well, look at where we're at today. And, you know, I speak from the position of of our nation. Our nation was founded on biblical principles. And in the early days, the early uh, uh, fathers, they all had different beliefs. But they were tolerant of one thing. You have the right to worship what you believe. Which is fine. And they didn't try to change the others. They were in acceptance of this is how we set the foundation for our nation. So that no one can come in and dictate what they should believe. It's our job to seek the truth. And so, John was writing to the believers in this time because the same thing happened. They were just, there was deception every which way you turn. In fact, they were trying to infiltrate the church. And that's happened today to, to a degree. Some churches started out very strong, great foundations, and they allowed the evil, the deception to creep in and slowly change it. So we must be diligent. Here at Calvary Chapel, we preach directly from the Word. And it's expository teaching. Pastor Rick is going through the book of Acts right now and and we see the early church and how they are walking in the light, spreading the gospel, but running into opposition. But this is God's church. His will will be done. But nevertheless, we can't just stand by without being involved. Get involved with our communities. I heard something on the radio the other day which I thought was interesting. (laughs) We often get distracted by this shiny whatever they want to wave in front of you. It's politics. And a lot of us get involved with politics very fervently, which is okay. But I think the shiny little trinkets that are are waved in front of us are the fact that it's Republican or Democrat. No, that doesn't matter. There are evil people on both sides. And we are where we are today because, well, we expected them to be leaders. But I think that we've been led down the wrong path. Our message to the world needs to remain focused on Jesus. There are really two camps of people. They're not Republican or Democrat. 
they are either believers in Christ or non-believers. And as Christians, we shouldn't be judging the non-Christians because we were all non-believers. We should be encouraging them and our message should be to them the same that we're reading here today. That which was from the beginning, <laughs> which we have heard, we have seen. The Messiah, our Lord, our Savior, has spoken to us. He came and he left his heavenly abode to come to earth and speak to us. And even in, in John's time, of course, the religious, the most religious people of the day did not want to believe that message. So, let's not partner ourselves with the most religious, but maybe the humble and obscure who are pointing to Jesus Christ. That's why we should be fellowshipping with each other. Like-minded people who believe in Christ. Encouraging another, lifting each other up. And so, uh, that's what John is, is sharing the message of encouragement here with the believers. Are you experiencing joy? Are you experiencing the joy in your life that God really wants you to experience? Putting this message together, I asked myself that. And of course, I, I think in humility, I have to respond, probably not. The amount of joy I should be experiencing. It's my fellowship with God what it should be. I'm glad that we serve a living God. This does bring me joy. This does encourage me. God is not dead. He is not like the other gods of the world. The idols, an inanimate object that people worship. Or praying in, in a repetition, saying the same prayer over and over and over again, expecting a result. Our God hears one we pray. Our God tells us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He teaches us how to pray in that prayer. And he tells us not to do repetitive prayer. He tells us from our heart to speak to him as a friend is our Lord. He knows us intimately. There's nothing we hide from God. <laughs> That's kind of the funny thing, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes we walk and, you know, we, we get into God's Word and we're always nourished and encouraged. And it's just a, a wonderful time of fellowship with Him. And then there's times we walk and we walk away a little bit 
Maybe we don't read every morning. Oh, that's just a, you know, that just writes you for the day. But sometimes you get rushed out and you don't do it. And then another day, and it kind of builds upon itself. And then suddenly you find yourself in a position where it's like, man, I, I lost fellowship with the Lord. And I'm not experiencing that joy. That's okay. God knows that. But we do this, you know, thinking sometimes too, we, we really take, make some wrong decisions. And then we intentionally, it's like, well, I'm going to kind of hide from God. <laughs> we, I don't know if you've ever thought that in your mind, but <laughs> strangely I have. It's like, all right, I'm just going to avoid it for right now. <laughs> it's a bad idea. God is patient though. His mercy is long-suffering. He waits for us. Amen? <laughs> but he wants us immediately to repent, turn to him, and have fellowship with him. <clears throat> this is what we enjoy because of our God is a living God. The other good news and the joy that I get out of this is that our salvation isn't based upon the things that we do or the things that we don't do. It's not if I turn to a certain direction at a certain time of day and pray, I'm in good standing with the Lord and my salvation is solid. Or if I ask for forgiveness every time I do miss the mark, every time I do sin, suddenly I lost my salvation? No. Our salvation is in Christ. He has done everything necessary to complete that work on the cross. On the cross, He said, it is finished. There's nothing more that we can add to that. It's not Jesus plus. It's not his death and resurrection plus. It is simply that. And to that, we should be encouraged. And that is the message we should be sharing with zealousness to everybody we know. But unless we're in good fellowship with the Lord then, we're not going to complete that work. But that's okay. We can come back. There's nothing we can add. Isaiah says in, in 64, but we are like an unclean thing and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Acknowledging that is an awesome thing to be able to do. I think the, the challenge as an unbeliever is that you take many paths to avoid that truth. Distractions in, in their lives and get caught up in events or groups that you justify as this is helping someone so therefore I'm doing a good thing. There's nothing good we can do in it of ourselves. 
It's only in and through Christ. In fact, works that we do will never earn favor with God. They can't earn our salvation for us doing works. Works were prepared for us before the foundations of the world so that we might walk in them. And so we do works because we have fellowship and a joy in Christ. And yes, the Bible says, with even more encouraging news, that because we're following Christ and we are accomplishing these works which God prepared, He's going to reward us for that. Now, our reward shouldn't be looked for every time we do something here, because our reward's in heaven. Yet we still do experience a reward in, in doing good. We just don't do the good to try and earn favor with God. Moving on in um, in First John, I'm scrolling through here and uh, got lost. Yes, God wants us to have joy. These things I have written to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy might be full. That's in Jesus saying that in, in the Gospel of John. So Jesus wants us to have joy. He wants His joy to remain in us. This was why Christ came. So that He could give us this message. And then He goes on later in chapter 16 of the Gospel, Until now you have asked nothing in My name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Joy comes with fellowship with Jesus. And the joy comes with fellowship with each other. And that's what John is writing about here. That the fellowship is with the Father and then because we're all children of the Father and of Christ that we have fellowship with one another. So gathering as we do on Sundays and other times that we get together that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to have fellowship with each other pray with each other encourage each other afflict each other. He didn't design us uh, for solitude. He designed us for relationships. First with Him and then with each other. In fact, that's the two commandments. First, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then secondly, love each other as ourselves. As we read on, First John uh, verse 5 now. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. (laughs) 
This is what the religious people of Jesus' time accused him of. <laughs> they accused him of being the devil, of having darkness in him. I mean, how crazy is that? Here is Jesus walking, healing people, and constantly sharing the message that he is here to do the will of the Father. It wasn't his will. He was doing the will of the Father. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And yet he was accused of being one of evil and darkness. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Again, John is writing to the believers because there are a lot of people trying to confuse them. And maybe some were friends of theirs trying to confuse them and say, well, no, it's okay. You know, they, you don't have to be so stringent. You don't really have to believe everything Jesus tells you. Oh, not so. You have to believe everything that Jesus tells you. If you don't walk in that light, you don't practice the truth. And if you don't practice the truth, you cannot have fellowship with him. What does fellowship look like? And I mentioned spending time in fellowship with the Lord every morning to ask the Lord to show you His will for the day. We all have things we committed to. We have, some of us have, have jobs, appointments, commitments. If He is our Lord, our Savior, and this is the day that He has made, we should place Him first and have fellowship with Him. And in that fellowship, you experience Him working in your life, and you experience the joy that He brings. I find myself being more sensitive to the things that he's telling me through the day. Our God who is living is very personal. And you know, you've experienced it. It's like, okay, look over there. Walk over there and go talk to that person. Um, I had one experience. I don't know if I shared this with, with anyone before here. But... I had to seek the Lord's will on a decision I had to make. And so I intentionally said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to leave on Friday. I'm going to go up north and I'm just going to spend the weekend reading your word, praying and seeking you. And <laughs> as Satan would have it, he wants to distract me. 
And so this is a Friday. I'm at work. And <clears throat> I thought I was running the place, but apparently everyone else had a different idea. So there's fires right and left and things are going on. It's like, okay, I have to, all right, I have to go and attend to this. All right, this customer's upset. I have to go and attend to that. And so yeah, I'm trying to leave at noon and suddenly it's, it's past noon and this is not working out so well. So I had a friend. I said, you know, why don't you call me up, make sure I'm out the door here, heading up north like I committed to do. And so he calls me up and he, Derek, are you, are you on your way yet? And I said, no, no, I'm not. Got excuses. He says, all right, I'm calling you back in one hour. You better be ready. So <clears throat> an hour goes by. He calls me back. Uh, there's still distractions. God, this is how personal God is. I get a phone call from one of my customers who owns a lot of coffee shops. And they tell me, you have to be at Real Verde and Flagstaff, and those two stores need to be repaired tonight. <laughs> I call my buddy up. I said, Darren, guess what? The Lord just called me up to Flagstaff. You know, it's those moments that you, you just, you can't ignore and you just thank God for them. I mean, that's how awesome God is. He works uh, just ordinary people. And so I go up there and, and I have a wonderful time with the Lord, actually meet a gentleman um, that uh, at, eating dinner because I was by myself. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings. I sat at the bar and I ordered some food. I didn't drink. Although, I wouldn't drink a lot if I did one beer, but I didn't. Uh, I met this gentleman, and um, he started sharing his life with me. And I shared with him the Lord. And then that was Saturday, and the next morning, uh, I invited him to go to church up there. He went with me. We went to the bookstore, bought him a Bible, prayed with him. And it was just a blessing. It was just really neat. God, God orchestrated that entire weekend because I was in fellowship with them. And even though there were distractions, God wanted me there because he knew it was important. But Jesus uh, is our example. You know, that's another wonderful thing about God is he didn't just give us a message. He just didn't tell us things through the prophets. He came to earth to complete the plan of redemption, and to teach us how to walk. We need examples. We need examples, and Christ is the greatest example that we have. And we can dig into his word, and we can see how uh, he walked. And of course, how his followers, his disciples walked. And also, you know, we gain encouragement from each other and how each of us walk. So whether you guys realize it or not, someone's looking to you or at you. And so your life is an example. What message are you sharing to the world in your life? Are you walking in light? Or are you walking in darkness? Are you walking in fellowship with Christ that people recognize that is happening? 
If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We can walk like Jesus walked if we abide in the Spirit and have fellowship with Him. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Mm, Amen. Isn't that great? If you're not experiencing that life, it's simple. You're just not in the fellowship with God that he wants you in with. We're our own best salesmen. We can deceive ourselves with foolish thoughts, with distractions. It's not hard to do today. Just step out into the world. We hear today more than ever people who don't believe they have sin. They don't believe in sin. In fact, that's one of the reasons that the world wants to erase God from everything they can, from school, prayer in school, Pledge of Allegiance, whatever it, whatever it is. Let's get rid of God and then we won't have to deal with sin. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Now I know that we can have admonishment and be righted and repent and and get back in fellowship with Christ. But it's also a good test to recognize the people around you. And wonderful people can be walking in darkness. So, we should be diligent to recognize if someone says they have not sinned, they're liars. We all have. But his word is not in them. And so, share that good news with them. Because sin separates us from God. We know that. And when you're walking in sin, you can't have fellowship with Christ. So, some people, it may be necessary to make changes in your life. If you're walking in darkness, I often um, talk to people and hear different things and it's like, well, I'm living with my girlfriend and so on and so forth. And it's like, I ask a simple question. How can God bless that relationship? How can God bless you when you're walking in that manner? I don't believe he can. That's not fellowship with Christ. Sometimes we need to make those, those changes. And um, So if they're believers, then we should certainly encourage them to walk in light. Share with them in love. Encourage them. John wrote this to believers. And I need to to be closing here because time went faster than, than I thought it was going to. God also wants us to have assurance of our salvation. Again in chapter 5 verse 13. 
John says, I write these things to you so that you may know you have eternal life. That was one of the first verses I memorized when I received Christ. I grew up in an environment that was very works-based. But I still didn't know, how do I know if I'm going to heaven? And it bothered me. It bothered me a lot to a point where God put it on my heart that I was starting to seek the truth. And I thank him that he did that because he brought me to himself. And I now have assurance of my salvation. It is solidly in Jesus Christ. And there is nothing more I need to do for that. In closing, are you walking in the light as Christ would have you to walk? If not, I encourage you this morning, get in right fellowship with God. He's waiting. And if you don't know him, then come to know and receive his truth. Jesus, who was from the beginning, who created the heavens and the earth, and he made you and me, came to this earth to share his plan of redemption for your life and for my life. We can only simply come to him, confess our sins, and ask him to be our Lord and our Savior. And the moment we do that, We are children of God. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children. Your eternity begins then. For those of us who are following Christ, our eternity has already began. We are just living out God working his plan in our lives, making us more like him. Amen? Join me in prayer.